good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Yes. Did you come in with yes. a heart open? Yes. You know, I, when we were closing out worship there, I thought you said, said something about open our heart, and I thought we really are the people who have to open our heart. God will not open your heart. Exactly. We come in and decide, I'm sitting here with an open heart, Lord, and then he can come and fill it. And so are we ready to do that this morning? Yes. All right. Well, so we are continuing uh, Making our way through the book of First Peter, we went through chapter 2 last week. We didn't quite finish it up. We began uh, talking about the theme or the topic of chapter 2 in First Peter uh, is a subject around the word submission. And we talked about submission to human institutions, submission to government uh, authorities, and at the end of that chapter, uh, it's interesting how Apostle Peter wrote that, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because he's talking about how we are to be in submission to human institutions, government authority. And then he said, is Jesus was our example that we're following. That's right. That he ultimately pointed to the submission that Jesus displayed uh, in his example by following the will of the Father and submitting to coming to the earth, dying on a cross, taking punishment he wasn't deserving of. And this is what submission is about. Often submission is not when I'm in total agreement and it's all easy to say, yeah, I agree. And submission is when it's maybe difficult, like you don't understand, you don't really want to, but you're doing it. If we do it in a godly way, we're doing it to honor the Lord because it's his word. And so it was the Father's will that he would give up his life, take the punishment for the world's sin that we deserved. He took it on himself, on his own body. And that's what those verses at the end of chapter 2 say. He he bore our sin in his own body on the tree that we might die to sin. The whole point was we... We die to that old nature, the sin nature, and we live for righteousness, who he's made us to be. By his stripes, it says we are healed. Hallelujah. We are healed. We are saved. We are healed. We are restored. We are made one with God. One. And so Jesus' willing submission that to the will of the Father made salvation available to all mankind. And in doing that, uh, he broke the power of sin he broke the power of Satan. Yes. He broke the power of death. Yeah. So submission, actually, when we walk it out God's way, is powerful. Come on. We're not on the losing end. Very often we think about this word submission and we feel like, ah, I'm giving up and I'm losing out. But when we do it in honor to God and we do it according to his will, it releases the, his power. It re, look at what it released in Christ as he, Amen. he went so low, it said. Because he stooped so low, God gave him a name above every name. Hallelujah. And every knee will bow to that name Yes. one day. And so submission to, the, to God's will carries a power, a supernatural power when we do it according to his will. And it brings blessing into our lives. And so we want to speak a little bit more about that today. I mean, it's a big subject to talk about. Um, and for us to grasp and actually to desire to move our life in that direction, to come in submission to the Lord. And so um, let's just begin with prayer before we start this message. Father, we thank you again for uh, your word, the wisdom that we have in front of us, that it's alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, 
We ask you this morning, Father, to let this word search our heart. Yes. Let it do the work it was meant to do, to bring conviction, to bring hope, to bring strength, yes. to bring direction, Hallelujah. to help us to stay on the narrow path with you, Lord, that we could finish our course with joy. With joy. And so, Father, help us to be people that willingly submit Jesus, just as you did to your Father's will, that we would be people who would say, yes, I desire to come under and submit to the will of the Father, because you're good and we can trust you. Yes. And so in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. 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 Oh, and I wanted to say also that after we explain some things about submission, we're also going to partake of communion this morning. So we have the table set for us here. Uh, and so the title uh, to this message today, we're still going to, like I say, dig around in First Peter chapter 2, but the title is A Wake-Up Call to the Church. We're going to talk about how this fits as a wake-up call to the church. Because this word submission, submission to authority, is not particularly liked or understood or practiced, yes. I dare say, very right. well in the world. I mean, take a look at the culture around us. I mean, the last couple of years, especially, I mean, I, I know through every generation, you see rebellion and lawlessness. Right. But let's just say the last couple of years... Uh, on this earth, we've just seen the floodgates open wider and wider to rebellion against the laws of God, the laws of the land, even, if you will, in general. I mean, there's just, there's the call for the outright disregard of police's authority. Let's just defund them and get rid of the police. And, you know, people storming the nation's capital, whatever you thought about all that. I mean, was wrong. border laws that are in place but ignored. Just people just come in illegally, and we're just nodding our head and going, uh-huh. You know, we're thinking, wait, isn't this a law? Yes. <laughs> There's disregard for just open drug use. Take the city of San Francisco. This is crazy. I mean, they, they actually give packages out. They fund public drug use so that it's, say, it's, it's keeping them, it's, it's, what is the word, harm, safe? Safe from harm. In other words, they're actually giving them, in a package, sterile needles, sterile snorting crack pipes, yeah. alcohol wipes so you could clean your skin in order for people to not get harmed as they shoot up the drug. And they're calling it, you know, a judgment-free zone, that we want to we allow them to live in dignity. It actually like, kills them. It's actually so Come on. wickedly opposite because it's cruel what you're doing. You're actually helping them stay in the addiction, which eventually, I, during COVID, there was a statistic, statistic that said there were three times more overdose deaths from drug use than there were COVID cases. Three times the amount. Everyone was worried about COVID. COVID's killing everybody. But meanwhile, there were three times the level of overdose deaths in San Francisco in 2020. No one was thinking about that and they're giving out yes. sterile needles and packages keep doing it. <laughs> anyways yes i just look at the world and i think submission like this whole thing of submitting under authority whether you like it well, or free not free speech is being attacked and free even. speech yeah. is attacked but see the scripture tells us that in romans 13 that the government was instituted by god uh -huh. i mean we have to remember these things it yeah. it was put in place god it Meant to be God's wisdom used right. from this book. Come on. 
the laws were created according to the morals of this book, That's right. set up laws to punish evildoers and honor the people that would do good. Because when you see justice, good justice done, you go, yes, yeah, something inside of all of us says, that's right. Yes. That's good. Don't we all feel that's when, when you, you see, see when you see it. <laughs> and so when we see government function as God intended it to function, right here. true justice carried out. I'm t- we're talking about true justice carried out. When the government functions as God ordained it, because scripture says he put this in order so evildoers would be punished. But when the government becomes evil and the government takes itself out from under the submission to God's laws, when when the people and the government are lying and cheating and deceiving and disregarding the laws that are, they're meant to uphold. Correct. Then it creates what in our society? What does it create in our schools? It creates the very thing they're doing. It's breeding the same thing. Yes. Disorder, chaos, rebellion, Rebellion. breaking the laws. Yes. It it just starts to break down everything that God meant for order and the goodness of order to come. And, And most importantly then, too, what we have to see is when government and a nation takes itself out, from under submission to God's authority, what's going to happen? Especially like the nation, a nation that once knew God. There we are. That's us. And then turns from him like ancient Israel did. What happened? That nation will be judged. Yes. God's, we see it all through the Old Testament. We there are examples for us actually to learn by. Corinthians tells us that these stories and things were examples that we would know what really not to do, to see what God would do if you do this. And he's warning us through scripture to say, don't follow the example of of being blessed and then taking yourself out of submission to God because you forget the God who blessed you. Yes, in the Old Testament, this is where we look at it, which is where we learn, just as Pastor Mamie said in Corinthians, it says, these are for your instruction. And so yeah. the Old Testament is valuable. And we see the biggest, three biggest sins that uh, caused the destruction of ancient Israel. And that is worshiping false gods. Uh, gods of money, power. You know, uh, in the state of New York, there was a Hindu goddess uh, portrayed on the Empire State Building in 2015. Uh, and it was uh, Kali. Kali, however you say it. But it was at the time, and probably still is, the largest uh, idol in the world portrayed there. And this goddess is the goddess of destruction, the goddess of war, the goddess of death. This is an avatar. And so they portrayed that and, and put it, projected it on the Empire State Building. Now, what's New York become? Okay, yeah. Well, we're going to get to Babylon here. Uh, You know, the second thing was uh, infanticide. Ancient Israel uh, walked away from God and started worshiping other gods. And, you know, I read just recently that uh, there was uh, last year 63 million abortions in the United States. And America right now is funding uh, 
abortions all across the content, all across the world. Uh, the third thing that uh, brought destruction on ancient Israel is rampant uh, sexual immorality. America is, uh, the porn industry in America is a multi-billion dollar industry. And some of our biggest exports is pornography. Well, I hope you see, start to see the connection between America and ancient Israel. Uh, the, in, the destruction of the nation of Israel, it happened over and over if you read the Old Testament. And these were the same things that always continued to happen. Uh, God chose Israel to be their special people. He was, they were supposed to be the light into the world. And he gave them freedom th from their enemies. He blessed their lives. You know, they had seasons of overflowing prosperity upon that whole nation. Uh, but the cycle happened over and over and over. And where God allowed uh, Israel's enemies to defeat them, send them into exile, uh, live under the cruel Babylonian foreign king. They were held captive there for 70 years. And then they became a nation once again. Yes, God told them it was going to be 70 years. But uh, after 70 A.D., after the death and resurrection of Christ, 70 A.D., Israel was judged once again. And they were destroyed. The nation was eliminated. And they were dispersed throughout the world. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? is because the Jews rejected Jesus Christ, their Messiah, their very Messiah, which the Old Testament totally talked about, but they rejected him. So they didn't have a homeland at all until 1,900 years later. Everybody say 1,900 years later. Yeah, yeah dispersed throughout the whole world yeah. without a homeland. No homeland. However, the president of the United States at the time was Truman. And he gave the final casting vote for Israel to become a nation once again, 1948. And they, it, what's crazy, it's the exact same location they're in now. The, the exact same location of their home, ancient homeland. And so God raised up America to be an ally of Israel. And we, as I just explained, believe that America has followed the path of ancient Israel. And uh, we're forgetting where our blessings come from. Uh, we're on the, I honestly believe we're on the verge of seeing more judgments happen in the United States against the United States because we are not following his ways. Right. They're actually legislating things against the word of God. Yeah. You know, uh, and 9-11 uh, was a wake-up call, a serious wake-up call. Yeah. Yes, all these mass shootings are a wake-up call. And then we have the, the pandemic, uh, the COVID. It was another shaking of America, not just America, but the world. Did you know that there's about 53 scriptures in the Bible that America fits like a glove into that describe the whore of Babylon that is found in the book of Revelation? Our government was founded and meant to function in submission to God's laws. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the founding of this country was deeply shaped by Christian morals. 
right out of the Bible. It, it, they believed in a supreme being. Uh, no, I'm not saying that every founding father was an Orthodox Christian and went to church. I'm not saying that at all. But they had a strong sense that this country was founded by divine providence. The charter documents refer to God as supreme judge. He is the supreme judge. He is the creator, the supreme lawmaker, and king of the world. This is what our founding father said. There was a sense of the fear of the Lord on all of them. And a true reliance on his protection over the country. If the laws were followed. You know, <laughs> they believed that God was active in the affairs of men. Which brought a fear of God. Which brought a, a, a submission to authority. And during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was the president. And he was, he was contemplating the death, the destruction of the war, and the wickedness of slavery, and he desired to end it. And you know what he did? He called the nation, and this is what it's titled as, the day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And we have this, that up on the PowerPoint, if you, if you would put that on the... Yeah. A day of national humiliation. Fasting and prayer. This is Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, you know, I'm going to read to you a small portion from that very speech. And this is what he said. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in our deceitfulness of our heart that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and persevering grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. This is a speech he gave to the entire country. Could you imagine the President of the United States making such a proclamation today? It's almost shocking when you read these words. You think, our nation has strayed so far away from a godly perspective and a heart that actually recognizes there's a supreme being mm -hmm. who's active in watching all the affairs of man. I mean, we are, we are living in a post-Christian nation, really. Yeah. Yes, we are. Very, very secular. And we have to be careful as a church because the truth remains that all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth yep. rests with God. He is the creator of all things things seen and things unseen. Amen. I mean, Romans 11:36. We have this, this one verse up on PowerPoint. From him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Yes. Everything originates with God. Everything lives through his power. The whole universe is upheld yes. by the word of his power. Come on. If he withdrew his word, everything would just, we would disappear. 
I mean, nothing. There'd be nothing here. Everything's perfected through him. To him be the glory. Amen. To now and forever. This is what we must remember and keep yes. at the forefront of our thinking. Because the day's coming, you know, when every knee will bow in submission to him. That's right. And, you know, whether in heaven or in hell, every knee is going to bow and say, yes, you, you are king. You know, they may not want to bow in, in hell, but they will bow yes, they to will. his lordship. Hallelujah. And at the second coming of Christ, this is what the Bible talks about. This is why we want to be familiar. We want to read his word. Jesus is going to come back and set up a kingdom here, a visible kingdom on this earth, a millennial kingdom of Christ. Yes. And he's going to rule it. It says his rulership is with a scepter of righteousness. Hallelujah. He Hebrews 1 says he hated lawlessness and he loved righteousness. And because of that, you know, his father gave him the kingdom. And that's how this is. He'll put down all rebellion yes, at right. that point. Right. And everything will fall into submission to him. And we're going to see the beauty and the order that comes from that. Hallelujah. Because the earth is going to look like the Garden of Eden again. We're going to go, is this what submission to God is meant to look like? <laughs> like why have we resisted it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because it's going to be glorious. Amen. It'll be glorious when all creation harmonizes Worthy. to truth. Worthy is the Lamb. Yes. The kingdom of God in heaven is going to come and be made visible here on the earth. Yes. That's going to be a glorious day. And for now, now, for now the church Hello. is meant to be a witness, a foretaste, a reflection of that kingdom. Now, this is where on, rubber now. hits the road for the church. Yes. Because the only way we can be a true witness of this kind of glorious kingdom and the submission that we say we're a part of is when we are living yep. in lordship. We are doing our best to come under the lordship of yes. his word and live, yes, obedient to his word. Come on. And so how would you say, think about it, just pause. I'm not going to ask you any answer, real answers, but how do you think, how do you think the church overall is doing with this? Yeah, I don't think That's it takes too right long answer. to go. I don't, yeah. hmm. <laughs> I think we can all go, right. uh, the church, is the church in willing submission? Do they take this word as the authority and do their best by the grace of God. We're not going to walk this out perfectly, but we are seeking. Yes. We are seeking and saying, show me, help me. I want to go deeper. I want to bring you honor and glory by living under your authority. How well is the church doing? Church universal. How well, you know, we are the body of Christ. How well are you doing mm. with, with that? See, God chose, God chose like the family unit. This is important. To be a reflection of his covenant authority. Yes. And see, this is why Satan hates the family. He's doing everything to splinter it, break it apart, you know, male, female, all of it. Like, we don't, we'll lose the name family. I'm sure somebody's going to just redefine even the meaning of family anymore, what that is. Come but on. the marriage covenant is likened to a union. Paul called it a great mystery. Yes. Of our union with Christ, like a bride, we are... We are betrothed to Christ. And so he sees marriage. The marriage covenant is holy and sacred. Yes. Because it's a reflection of his relationship with us. 
that he bought and paid for us that we become his bride. That's right. And God holds the covenant of marriage in a high, holy, sacred place. How's the church? Does the church do the same? Yeah, Does the mindset of the people in the church? No, they don't. Because I, I forget what recent statistic I read, but it said it was high. It was like 50% of the church thinks it's okay for a couple to live together before they get married. Wow. This, this is in the church. And so, when the, as it goes with the family we are. of Christ, you know, so it's going to go with our nation. Because God has called the family of, of the people of God to be the light in the world. So, Amen. as it goes with the families in the church, so it's going to go with the nation. So, when the families are strong, when families are strong and united in submission to God, it's like the family says, Jesus, you're Lord yes. over this family. You're, you know, we're going to do our best to follow your word. It not only produces blessing in, in your own fit, personal family, in your own personal life, but it produces blessing and righteousness within the culture. Within the culture. That's because right. we, we become salt and light. We have influence. We are to use our influence this way. There's a proverb that says, when it goes well with the righteous, the city what? Rejoices. Rejoices. Yeah. 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 So, so the family like, is an institution. It was created and ordained by, and blessed God. by God. And blessed by God. Yes. yes. And in the beginning, God made them male, biological male, and female, biological female. And they would be joined together in this mar holy marriage covenant. And by that joining together, they would produce children who would grow up to know the Lord. And to serve him. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. That's the first book of the Bible. Genesis 18. We're going to look at verse 19. Well, we have it up on PowerPoint. We have it up on PowerPoint, but it's good for you to find it because there's going to be some scriptures that are not going to be up on PowerPoint that you will be really close to. You know, we read here that God called Abraham, the Abraham of the Bible, not Abraham Lincoln. However, God called Abraham Lincoln too. But we're talking about the father of our faith, Abraham. Yeah. Why did God choose Abraham to be the father of our faith? God answers it right here. God is saying about Abraham, for I know him. And he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Do you see the connection with receiving the blessings and being obedient to what the Lord has asked us to do? Yeah. Yeah. If we want to receive the blessings of Abraham, and believe me, we do. <laughs> we need to do what he did. We need to be the same. Teach our children God's ways. We need yeah. turn now turn to Deuteronomy. It's just a few books of the Bible in front of you. Well, going into the deeper into the Bible. Oh, I like that statement. Deeper into the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, going deeper into the... If we're going to walk in the blessings of Abraham, who is the father of our faith, then we must do what Abraham did, and we need to teach our children. It's Deuteronomy Amen. 6. Yeah, yeah, did I not say that? Well, 
I heard, I heard someone say, what chapter? <laughs> Deuteronomy 6. So what does it mean to teach your children? What does it mean to teach your children the ways of the Lord? Believe me, it goes far beyond just bringing them every once in a while to church. It goes far beyond just saying a prayer at, at maybe before the meal. You know, God desired Israel, the whole nation, to be blessed as they walked into the promised land. And this is what Moses told them before they walked into the promised land. Yeah, they had to do their part. Yeah, they you know. had to do their part. The people must do their part. We must do our part if we think we're going to uh, receive the blessings of God. And that just makes sense, doesn't it? You don't keep continually blessing your children when they don't obey you. Well, you shouldn't. Hello. Now, this is the commandment. And all these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God and to keep his statutes and his commandments which I commanded you, you and your son and your grandsons, all the days of your life, that all your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God your Father has promised to you a land flowing in milk and honey. And God expected his word and his commandments to be taught and observed down through generations. And this opens the blessing of God on our lives. Sons, grandsons. Yes, sons, grandsons. And then that means their sons, their grandsons. And that means their sons, their grandsons. You know, the Bible declares that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him for over a thousand generations. Yeah. But he also tells the consequences of those who forget God and not living submission to him. And that's Deuteronomy 5. Just go back one page, I believe. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. 9 and 10. He's talking about this. Jesus says, you must not, uh, God the Father is telling them, you must not bow down to them or worship them. And he's talking about the idols of the nations that they are going to dispossess. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children the entire family is affected, even children in the third or fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Yeah. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at verses 4 and 5. This is really the Hebrew confession of faith. Uh, in, in the... Jewish homes, this was spoken twice a day in the morning and in the evening. And, and listen, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, this is a declaration, declaration of faith. This is a declaration of allegiance to the kingship and to the kingdom of God. 
Uh, you know, Jesus declared the same thing. They asked him and said, what's the greatest commandment? And he said this. He said this, this is the first and greatest commandment. And as parents, we show our love for God uh, by willingly submitting to his word in obedience and, and living it out in front of our children. And could you imagine this being said twice in the morning, once in the morning, once in the evening, uh, but not just in front of your kids? Your kids joining in. Could you imagine the anointing of that in your home? Hero Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Just, wouldn't it be awesome? The whole family saying this together. Yeah, the, the, the children the would declare it in unity with their parents. That faith would arise in their heart. The anointing would be so powerful. How is that to start the day? Pretty awesome yeah. is right. Yeah. You know, everybody submitting to his word. Of being obedient to the word of God. This is how God set up this world. To be blessed. Yeah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. He's is one. one. You shall love him with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God. So that goes on to say, look at verse 6 in Deuteronomy 6. It goes on to say, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. There you go. So see, first God's word has got to be, let's say, in a parent's heart. Then, then you do verse 7. Then you teach your children. Yes. Verse 7 says, you shall teach them, your children, how? Half-heartedly, <laughs> when you feel like it. No, no. Diligently. I mean, that word diligently means persistently. It's going to take some effort. You're going to have to do it carefully. You're going to think about yes. this. Come on now. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when? When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down yep. and when you rise up. Yeah. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign yes. on your hand like you're hanging these <laughs> words around them. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There we are. Boy, I mean, this is pretty much covering every facet of life. But from the morning when you get up, and you're eating and you're walking through your day and, and you're seeing things and you're lying down. He's saying, teach, teach my commands. As your, as your children yes. look out at life, teach them about me. And so get, this is telling us that we need to give our children a biblical worldview. There we are. And yes. how important is that now today to do that? Because parents, you really cannot rely on the church. I mean, often this has been, I think, the, the plight of the church over years. We've had these awesome youth ministries and children's ministries, and it's like parents will come drop the kids off. Sometimes don't even come to church. Right. I mean, we've seen this over the years. Yep. And think, well, that's good for them, but it's not good for me. This doesn't work. Because actually, statistically, they say that the parents have the most influence. That if you did not, if you were right. not a churchgoer yourself, chances are your children are going to walk away from the Lord because they're going to watch the parent and what was important to the parent and modeled, and taught, and explained. That's what gets into the child's heart. That's then. right. So we can't allow you know electronics to fill the gap. Whenever there's just I mean, kids get in a car and they're watching TVs and they're on their electronics and, you know. Turn it off and start. Yeah, you know, the mind gets lazy. Yeah. It just gets lazy. Yeah. 
It'll turn into, I thought, of the home alone. I'm just going to turn my mind to mush. Remember, he's watching that, <laughs> that scene where he says, anyways, it'll turn your mind to mush. If you rely on the media, your kids are just taking up whatever that media is feeding their ear now. gates, their eye gates. And don't think the devil's not in that stuff. He's at work. He's at work scheming. He wants the mind of your child. He's the God of the air. Yeah. And where do those waves come through? Yeah. The air. I mean, it's all this debate over these awful things like this, the school shooting, just yes. tragedy. And we get into these, you know, I mean, we do need to sit down and debate about the whole gun issue with, with this stuff. But is it only a gun issue? Not even close. I don't think so. I mean, if we as a nation... You look at the childhood of, this ch of these children, there are statistics where they've looked at the childhood, how these kids, ha how some of these children have grown up. Right. I mean, if we as a nation would raise our children, be, be involved in our children's lives. Come on now. You know, and at least I'd start admitting we've forgotten about you, God. We've forgotten. And we need to rebuild the family with Jesus as the center, hey, taking the word of God. Now, that's good you know, Then we would see some of this rebellion Settle put down. down. Yes. Because it would bring order. Yes. It would bring godly order, what he intended. And I mean, then those kids generation. would raise up to be politicians yeah. and do the right, right. thing. Because we do have a generation of kids that are fatherless. Yes. This is just the, this, this is statistical. It and is. the pathway to violence appears to begin when fathers are absent. Listen, That's dads, right. if you're a dad in here, your, your role is extremely important. Right. I mean, there have been political editorial opinions written or, in the last year that I've read. Are fathers really necessary? And they meant it. Yes, they are. They actually meant it. Because they want to redefine family. They want right. to redefine the terms it's of the family. It's an attack of Satan against yeah. God Almighty if you bear it all down. Listen, he wants to destroy the family because the family was ordained of God. And things that are ordained of God are to have a purpose. God's purpose. And when that family goes off of God's purpose, Satan rejoices. Yeah. And that opens you up to the curses that are on this world. Right. This is part of the uh, five things I want to tell you about these kids and these people that have been these mass shooters. The common denominators yes, that are found. They're found. All of them are. <laughs> all of them are found. They very little parent involvement. Yeah. Number one, they the parents don't even know who these kids hang out with. They don't even know their friends. You know, they're left alone. Too much time left alone. Social media, TV. It used gap, to be yeah. Mr. Rogers would bring up the kids. Now it's SpongeBob. Sponge. No, it's way. It's it's so past yeah, I that. Don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, whatever it it's is. Rad, it's radicalizing the th minds of children. Yeah, which it's, creates no sense of truth for them. No right or wrong in their own minds. Because they haven't been instructed. They have not been instructed. And then the, the, the child, if they're dealing with some kind of stress, which kids are going through. You know, they have bullying. you got to deal with it. you got to talk about it. you got to have that open communication with your children. You know, then you have these, this, this identity crisis that people don't. Listen, 
People don't know, those kids don't know how to cope. And you know what? One of the things they don't show here is video games. Do you know how many kill, this is how they advertise them, kill games. Yeah. Kill games. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Which happens as what this, turn your mind to Bush, these, these guys, they don't have any sense of remorse whatsoever. Their conscience has been seared. It's just hard. All yeah. because there's no parent influence. It's more than just being physically present with your kids. It's digging a little deep. How was your day? You know, we used to say, all right, how was your day? Oh, it was good. How was school? Oh, it was good. No, we, you know, we'd sit at the dinner table as a family, and I, and I would tell Ben, I said, okay, I want you to take me through your day as soon as you walked out of the house. <laughs> That's how you get in there. Everything is, everything then gets told. Everything gets or, told. Or you could tell, like you want to be emotionally involved with them then. You want to draw, you want to yeah. be alert. You, this is why we need the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a parent without the help of the Holy Spirit. And there you go. You, you have, have to be spiritually involved with your yes, parents. Yes, you have to be, keep kids. asking, Holy Spirit, help, help me, me to talk, help me to draw them out. I, I, can, I sense something is wrong. What do I say? Yeah. We don't ignore it and go, I don't know what to say. I got to go cook dinner and you go on your electronic. This is what's often happening. Come on now. But we have to be spiritually involved with the heart of our child. So when you walk into Target and it's Gay Pride Month and, and all this stuff is everywhere and your child, you know, I mean, it's getting pretty blatant. Crazy. Like, male, like, how, what is it? What did I see the other day? I had to go into Target, which anymore I really don't even want to support Target because I just think this is insane. You know, I... They have like male mannequins dressed like females, and they have chest binders for girls that want to look like boys. They have, you know, in the cosmetic section, there was this huge photo of, of it was a man. There's a mustache stubble, beard stubble. It was all in bright color with a woman's hairdo, bright glitter, eyeshadow, lipstick. It was like, what exactly am I, I'm well, looking for my own lipstick and I'm thinking, now if I had a child, what would I say to my child here? Would you, I just walk past this and go, come on, don't look. No, 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 no we that better. That would be so bad. We must be able to speak to our children in ways that are saying, I, I need to help you understand yes. what's wrong with the world. You know, that the world is upside down, and we belong to a different kingdom. Amen. And don't ever think your child's too young to understand that. Well, they're only four. No, their hearts are wide open when they're yes. four. That's the best time to be planting the seed of God's word on the inside of them. And he says, come to us and be converted like a little child. Yeah. Or there's a they new, understand. There, there is a new cable television show called Generation Drag that's coming on. Teenagers. I mean, I saw the, the trailer. I was watching something on HGTV, and it was like, this is unbelievable. A group of families that have, you know, teenagers that dress in drag, and they're going to a dragutante, like a pageant, like a debutante. And it's going through what the family thinks and how they've gone through it and how really basically wonderful all this is to allow the child to just be themselves. 
And I thought, this is really off the rails. Like, what are we going, if, again, if I had a child, if I had a youngster, 10-year-old sitting there, what would I say? Because they're going to meet friends who were going to be doing this, and they're going to wonder, well, what, what was going on? Parents roll. We need, you know, we put something in on mile one Facebook uh, that was called Prepping Your Kids for Pride Month. I would encourage you, if you're a parent, or even if you're not a parent, just go on and read the article. If you have grandkids, yes. And it's written from, you know, we are to love people. We do not hate people that are caught up That's right. in this whole transgender disorder, really. But we want to be able to love them to the truth. Amen. We want to still stand for the truth. And so our nation is in serious trouble. You know, we have just lost our way. When you think about that quote from Abraham Lincoln and you think about the, yes. our nation, we have lost our way spiritually. We have forgotten about God. And we've had judgments come against this country. I do believe 9-11 was a wake-up call for people to return to God. It's yes. like, do you realize that your security is not permanent in a moment? Just like in, when COVID came, like it just turned on a dime. Everything just shut down. The whole world. We are so used to living in security, and we've forgotten who it's all coming from, where the blessings have come from. That's right. I mean, so the COVID-19 pandemic, I believe, was another shaking, a judgment from God saying, my church, wake up. Right. You know, things are not, especially when you read scripture, it says that there are early birth pains that will continue to come upon the earth and get more intense and it says for my people to watch and pray to be alert don't be deceived and so this is here we are today the church is expected yes. to be a light in the darkness Come on. are we how's the church doing this is where we just have to just pause we're going to take communion here in a moment yes. and because as we commune with god over this over what he did for us we all have to judge ourselves and say where where's my place am i coming under your lordship Yes. Am I part of the problem? I'm supposed to be the light. Maybe we need a big, big, huge dose of repentance in our heart. Yes. And say, God, like, I want, I, I, we need you to cover our nation. We need you to cover ourselves, first of all. Cover our churches. Yeah, well, the church Because the church in America awakening. is certainly lukewarm at best. And it needs an awakening. And so communion, uh, we're, we'll Come just begin that. Get the table here. You know, communion is a, a, a time, and I want that communion table put out front here. We're, we're going to do it a little bit differently today. Yeah, we're going to have, as we eventually have people come forward to take a piece of the bread. We want to remember what Jesus actually did for us and our salvation. Yeah. You know, the communion is for believers only. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Is everyone a believer in here? I hope so. If you're not a believer, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who can forgive you of all your sins and renew you, make you brand new, alive in God, other than don't take communion if you haven't been born again. Do not take communion. There is a warning about that. We're going we're gonna to just judge ourselves. It's a time of reflection and all it means. We are here on earth for his glory, for his glory. Yeah. The question would be, am I really submitted to his lordship? Have I really submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Have I done it?
because we cannot bring him glory without submission. It's in our submission that the glory of God rests on us. He's the head, and we are the body. We're the body. Do you know that spiritually we are connected, and we are to have communion with one another, fellowship with one another, more than just coming to church and leaving. We, I'm telling you, the days are coming ahead where we need each other in such a dramatic way. And if we don't start opening our hearts to one another now, that's going to be a chaotic time. But as a body of Christ coming together, recognizing the times, signs of the times, and the value of being in communion with one another, where we can strengthen one another, pray for one another. You know, there's a lot of one another's in the Bible. Yeah. And, and Scripture says that and though we are many, we all eat in, in a communion sense from one loaf. So it's like we really are like one body. Yes. We're not just, you know, individual independent pieces. That scripture says we all are partaking together. We are one loaf. One it says loaf. one bread together. We're all part of one body. The Bible Do declares that. Do we see that, ourselves that way? Yeah. Do that, we see ourselves that, that I'm way? obligated to be a part of a body even, a working part of the body. We're responsible to fulfill God's word. And he says in, we are one. But yet he's calling us that we are individual parts of the body, individual parts of the body, and each piece functions to make it whole and build itself up in love, yeah. in love. It's the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. Now listen, we have all sorts of different backgrounds, however... God has done that and designed that because that's the piece of the puzzle that's been missing. That's you. That's me. But when we join together, we make one loaf. We are the body of Christ. And he says for us to examine ourselves. Have we really submitted to the Lord? It's Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 says, Let every man thoroughly examine himself and only when he has done so should he eat the bread and drink of the cup and so that's one so of the things we the... want to pause to do yeah. he says because here's the warning for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body for this reason, many are weak and sick of you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So this is a time now to really judge our heart. Are we in submission to the Lord? Men, do you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? Likewise, wives. 
to be submitted? Are you submitted to your own husband? You know, is the is unto the Lord? Is the is the marriage bed? We talked about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sex outside of marriage. Is the marriage bed being honored between two married people, male and female? You know, and then just you know, pause. Just close your eyes. Like, what about my own family? Am I asking God for grace? Yeah, come on. To sincerely teach my child or my grandchildren even the word of God? Uh, do I help apply what they're seeing in the world to honor you? Yeah. You know, do I lift my hands in front of my family like that, that prayer of the Hebrews, you yes. know, this worshiping God, oh, hero of Israel, or, or just to lift up my hands in my family in front of my children? The Lord, he's God, he's one you know, does, does the lukewarmness of the church in America Come bother on. you as it bothers the heart of God? Yeah. I pray that it does. I believe this is the greatest, one of the greatest answers to prayer God could give us is to let it bother the church mm -hmm. that we would begin to pray, that our lukewarmness would be shaken off and a passion would arise. Because if, if we really want God to bless our families, bless our marriages, our churches, is going to begin with honesty before him. Yes. Like, am I doing my best? This is just between you and the Lord. Am I doing my best to live a holy life and honor you, Lord, and, and the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. This is really not about bringing any condemnation because we're all going to find, like, we fall short. Yes. But this is allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to help us to repent and to turn. If we never look at our sin... And our failings and our weaknesses, how will we ever grow? Right. But it's this godly repentance in our life that actually works the yes. life of God on the inside of us. It's about getting washed clean by the blood. Amen. It's about allowing the conviction to work that in your heart. You know, let's remember that God the Father paid the highest price, the cost of his son dying on a cross for us to bring you and me into his family. Let's just think about yes. that. God loves his family. He loves his children. And I believe he wants your relationship with him to go deeper. Yeah. To be more genuinely committed to him, to be committed to the work of the church. What is the role of the church for the day and time that we live in? What is my part to ask him? Yes. So in a moment, we're each going to partake of this loaf. Uh, we're just, we're a part of the whole and maybe just explain communion yeah. for a moment and then we'll just, we can, hopefully the microphone works. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken. why he took the cup. He took the cup and said, this is the blood of my new covenant. 
So when we say we want to be born again, that means you're giving your life up. Yeah. You're giving your life up. Yes. Yeah. You're coming into submission. He says to count him. the cost. Yes. Yes. What a great cost, right? I'm willing to pay because my sins are going to be forgiven. I'll be new, made new spiritually. I become a son of God. I become one with the Savior. That's what communion is about. Becoming one with Christ. Recognizing what he did for us. Breaking his body. Torture for us. The flesh hanging off his body because of the lashes he took. The beating he took. The Bible declares he didn't even look at him. And his motivation. Son of God in His blood. And that blood is so powerful, like I said before, it will transmit this disease. Yeah. It really can. We confess our sins and we repent. We come and by Him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will help us become. So we're going to have everybody come up. I want you to come, come to the, the center, center aisle, aisle and, then go and take, a, take a piece of bread, take a cup. And we're going to then, once everybody has the bread and the cup in their seat, we will take communion together. Just come on up. Norm, go ahead. And, and just maybe follow around this way then. We'll go back in our seats. Yeah. Go back the outside aisles. Yeah. Get your seat. The Bible calls this a covenant meal. It may only just be a small drink and a piece of bread. But Jesus is but, in it. But Jesus recognizes it as a reflection of a covenant that we believe we have with him. And of course, that covenant was made in love. And the covenant course, carries responsibility on our part. 
covenant meal. A covenant meal. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our hearts towards the Lord. Yes. I believe the Lord sees this as a beautiful and holy moment. Yes. His presence is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And we do this in, in reverence before him. Yes. But he does say, scripture does say, examine your heart before you take communion so that you're not judged. So this is a holy moment. He takes this very seriously. His covenant is deep and it's everlasting. And so we just want to bow before the Lord. Confess your sin. Yes. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for grace to change. Let the Holy Spirit put something specific in your heart. Do I hold reverence towards the church? Do I pray for your church, Lord? Do I care about the local body? Do I care about the body of Christ, you? Lord, do I pray for a spiritual awakening? Mm -hmm. Have I been lazy? Am I prayerless? Do I participate in the life of the church? How am I at home? What is my attitude like? Am I honoring to my parents? Do I honor my spouse? Do I pray for my spouse? It's okay to be, it's good to be corrected by the Lord because yes. the scripture says he corrects those that he loves. And so the Lord will wash our sin clean when we admit it. And so we just. Everything is naked and open to him. Everything is bare. He knows everything. everything. So thank you, Father. We just, we allow you to move in our heart. And we participate, becoming one with you in communion. Yes. So take the so bread. So we break this bread. We take it. it and remember this was your body. Yes. Broken for us. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes we are healed and made whole. <laughs> yes. And this is the cup. The blood of the covenant. We're participating in the covenant. And this represents forgiveness of sins. We've confessed our sins. We acknowledged that we haven't been under the submission of the the word of God. And so we're going to repent, Lord. We're going to repent. We're going to turn the other way. We're going to take effort to do what needs to be done. We want to walk with you all the days of our life. Go ahead and take the cup. The cup of forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, Jesus. Thank you.
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us, speaking to us. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Yes. Thank you for refreshing us. Yes. Like the dew in the morning. Yes. Oh, God, thank you for forgiving us. Oh, we're set free by your blood. We have faith in your blood that forgives the grievous of sins. We're washed clean because of the blood. And we're free from the power of the enemy because of your sacrifice, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We give you honor and glory. Hallelujah. Verse in this song, you know, let's just sing it for one moment here. Come rejoice now, oh my soul. Come rejoice, come rejoice now, oh my soul. Just yeah, there's that one verse or that one chorus, and then we'll end. Come rejoice. 